Well, as promised, we've invited financial author and journalist Mary Holman to help with your questions on what you should be doing with your money and your investments during these times of uncertainty. Mary joins us now. Hi, Mary. Hello, Jesse. Nice to talk to you. You're a very reassuring voice when things are a little bit strange out there. Look, someone wrote me a letter and more or less said you're being too reassuring um, that things aren't as you know aren't going to necessarily be okay, and you should stop saying they are. And I thought, oh, help. I mean, I I can see his point, but. Um, I don't think there's a lot to be gained by everybody panicking. And look, in the end, the economy will revert to its normal, you know, the normal way of being. It must. There's no way that, you know, we're not going to be out there buying goods and services and companies are going to be producing them and their shares are going to be rising, you know. It's going to come back. Okay. Was this, was this the same person who was uh, saying that you should be focusing attention on the fact that the Nikkei hasn't recovered in the last 30 years? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. That was a separate email that came in, but I went through his points he made, and I thought, actually, Mary has probably covered these in different ways over the years. But um, let's go to the emails you've got this week um, from more constructive people. Uh, here's <laughs> one from Rebecca who asks about when you should be moving to a lower-risk fund. She says, I was planning pre-COVID to transfer my KiwiSaver from a balanced fund into a conservative fund uh, as I've now decided to buy a house in the next 12 months. Should I still do the transfer and how do I best time when to move the funds? Yeah, and and ideally Rebecca would have actually moved them a bit sooner. You know, she's talking about moving money from a balanced fund, <laughs> so the middle level risk fund, into a conservative one. I would say ideally you do that two or three years before you plan to take the money out to buy a house. And she's planning to buy the house in the next 12 months. Um, but never mind, she's you know at least thinking forward a little bit here. And look, I, I'm just saying to people who have found themselves in too risky an investment, given that the markets are very volatile at the moment, um, to move into a lower risk, Gradually, you don't have to move the whole lot in one go, you know. And, and in fact, the New Zealand share market has been rising in the last week or so. I haven't looked in the last hour or two, but, but, um, it, but you know, it, it's certainly volatile times and we've got no, no way of knowing what's going to happen in the future. But it, it's not a good idea to, to move all your money in one lump sum, especially in these volatile times. Better to move maybe a third now and a third in a month and a third in two months. Something like that would be my suggestion for her. Yeah. We, we've talked before about, you know, when you when you take your money out of KiwiSaver, you sort of lock in your losses. I mean, is that worth keeping in mind as well? But she can't really wait until, she, uh, until it grows again before she moves, can she? Well... She's, she says she's planning to buy a house in the next 12 months and it's impossible to know whether the markets will recover between now and then. They, you know, things could get worse. It's, it, we just can't possibly ever predict the share market and, and right now it, even less so. And so yeah. um, I, that's why I think it's best to move in sort of three lots so that she doesn't end up moving the whole lot at, at the worst of times. 
I saw that the Dow went up quite um, rapidly earlier in the week, um, but a good time yeah. to remember that there's no real way of knowing when you've reached bottom, right? Absolutely not. You know, you can't really tell for months when the bottom of this particular trough will be because it can go, you know, down and then up again and then it can go down even further. And it, it all depends on how the world sees the future economy, you know, and that can change day by day, as we know. So it's really foolish to try and make your move at exactly the right time. That's why I reckon, you know, divide your money up into three or four lots and move a bit now and a bit later, and then at least you'll end up looking back and saying, oh, well, at least I moved some of it at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, several questions for you, Mary, on when's a good time to add to a growth fund. A lot of people wanting to spot a bargain here, I think, and uh, this person yeah. who doesn't want to be named is wondering if it's a good time to move invested funds from a conservative fund that has not lost too much money to a more aggressive growth fund if we don't need the money for at least a couple of years. Am I right to assume those funds are likely to be investing in bargains that are likely to rapidly appreciate in the coming months and couple of years? There's a lot of this theory around, isn't there? Yeah, so this, this is sort of the opposite to, to Rebecca, and these are the questions I'm, I'm just getting absolutely flooded with questions for my Herald column at the moment, you? you know, and about half of them are people who say, oh gosh, I want to get into less risk, um, and half of them are saying, oh gosh, I want to get into more risk while, while the prices are cheap, you know, and just different personalities, I suppose, here, and... And yes, I got a few emails um, that you got sent in to you, to the radio, um, from people wanting to do this sort of contrarian investing where they put money into into higher risk investments right now, while the, because the markets have gone down and they're saying, you know, can we buy good bargains now? And the answer is, well, yes, but you know, trying to pick the bottom of the market, as I've just said, is is impossible. Um, people trying to time it either way, whether they're you know, wanting to go lower or higher risk, um, are best to kind of spread their money out a bit to so that at least some of it ends up being good. Um, but be careful if you're moving into a higher risk fund too. It's got to be money. She says, this person says, she don't, we don't, won't need the money for at least a couple of years. Well, if she's wanting to move into a growth fund or an aggressive fund, I would say it should really be money they're not planning to spend for at least 10 years. Um, if, if she wants to go to a middle-level one, then maybe it's money not planning to spend for three or four years. So there's that factor in it when, when you're planning to spend the money. And then there's also mm. just your tolerance for risk. And people are finding out for the first time, a lot of them, how how much they can cope with the markets going up and down. So... Um, by the way, there was one other letter along these lines was a woman planning to put put just 7% of her savings into a growth fund. And she says, I've always taken a conservative approach to investing, too conservative probably, and I feel that I can afford to be a little more adventurous. And I say, good, yeah, go, on, go for it. With 7% of her money, that's fine, you know, because if it... If, the markets keep going down further and she loses on that money, it's not going to make very much difference in the long run. But it also gives her a chance to learn how tolerant she is of, of risk yeah. and and learn that over the long run, um, higher risk funds do go up. So, you know, I encourage people to 
do that with a small amount of their money, but getting too clever and saying, okay, I'm buying bargains now and moving big chunks of their money into higher-risk funds at the moment, it might work well for you, but the markets could keep going down quite a lot more. We just don't know. So be wary about And if they were to go down, if they were to go down, your point is that you would need to be um, keeping that money in there for, let's say, seven to ten years to be safe. Yes. Uh, to be guaranteed Absolutely. that you would get it back again, yeah. Yeah, so don't move it if you're planning to take it out to spend in retirement or to buy a new home or or if it's not KiwiSaver money, there might be other plans with it. Um, don't if, if you're planning to do that in the next, you know, eight, ten years or less, I would suggest you don't move into, into high risk because there's just too big a chance that the money could go down. A lot of our listeners are worried about banks, Mary. Dean asks, uh, my partner and I have a large amount of money in a cheque account with one of the big four Aussie-owned banks. Should we have this money distributed across a number of banks in case our bank fails? I'd always assumed there was a government-backed guarantee on bank deposits, but I've just found out that New Zealand, unlike many other developed countries, doesn't have any scheme to protect depositors when a bank goes bust. Yeah, this is. Um, I've had so many letters on this topic to to my Herald column, um, people suddenly getting really worried about the banks, uh, and I don't think that's justified. I don't think, uh, look, what would I know? But I just, uh, you know, uh, well, I'll tell you who does know, and that's Adrian Orr, who's the governor of the Reserve Bank, and their job is watching the banks, monitoring the banks. And he said the other day, we are sitting here with the best banking system in the world, Um and he, he wouldn't be saying that if he didn't mean it, because otherwise he's going to look pretty stupid if, you know, if having said that, a bank goes belly up, you know, in the next little while. The thing is that that um, Dean is right. There isn't a um, any bank insurance scheme in New Zealand and in that, in, that, in a lot of other countries, if, if a bank does collapse, then um, um, at least a certain amount of your money is... is preserved and you get it back. Um, in New Zealand, the government is thinking about doing this, it has said, signalled this last, last December, that they would bring in a bank insurance scheme of, so that up to $50,000 of people's money in the bank was insured, but that is not in effect yet. Um, we're not sure, it's a, bit, it's a bit vague about when it will come into effect. A while back they were saying 2023, but recently there's been signals that possibly it'll come in sooner. So what we do have at the moment is something called the Open Bank Resolution System, which means that all your bank accounts could end up having what we sometimes call a haircut, where a certain proportion of the of the money in all your bank accounts, you know, it might be 5%, it might be 20% maybe, of your money you would lose if the bank went belly up, um, except for there will be a certain amount of money in your everyday transactions accounts that will be not frozen in that way and, and, and possibly haircut <laughs> um, um, to, to enable the bank, you know, everyday banking to, to continue. So we haven't got insurance at the moment, which means that Dean's suggestion of putting his money in a lot of different banks is a good idea. Um, if you've got, you know, I'm getting letters from people who've got 100, 200 more thousand dollars in bank term deposits, which are, gosh. 
such conservative investing, but mm. you know, people, some people just want to do it that way. And I would say to them, look, if you're feeling worried about the banking system, um, there's not a lot of harm in spreading your money over quite a few different banks. I don't really think there's any signs that any of the banks is going is about to collapse. But you know, if you sleep more easily, do that. Okay, and a couple of minutes left to talk about mortgage rates because there were all sorts yeah. of questions about them uh, given the uncertain economic outlook. Mike says yeah. we're meant we are meant to refinance our mortgage in June, and the new five year plan is a full percentage point below our current three year rate. Does Mary think that locking in at three point eight nine over five years is a better plan than taking a two year at say three point three nine and hoping for the best at the end of the shorter period? We were planning to keep the monthly payment as is. Second, yeah. we have saved up 20k over the past three years, which we'd planned to throw at the principal, but wondering whether it would be better to put some of that into KiwiSaver in these low interest times. Is it a better deal over the long term to pay down debt or to build up the cash nest egg? Well done, okay. Mary. You have about a minute and a half to answer that. <laughs> Basically, got two questions, and the first one, which you and I have discussed, you know, years ago, um, whether you're better to take a, a lower rate on a short-term mortgage or a higher rate on a longer-term mortgage, and the answer is there's no way of knowing. We just, if, even in, in ordinary times, of what's going to happen to interest rates in the future. So I tend to suggest to people do it half and half, make half of it the shorter term and half of it the longer term, and then at least. Half of it will end up being, being the way. Yeah, you, want it. But, you, you, you would presume that the, the banks have priced them accordingly, right? That they, that yes. they know um, that, that they reflect what the bank knows. That's right. That's right. And, and, and but when you look at the different banks, they all have somewhat different views on it too. So that mm. that's an, one of the interesting things that's happened lately, though, is that the gap between floating rates and and fixed rates has decreased. It used to be that floating rates were so much more expensive that hardly anyone was doing it. And now I was just looking, they've gone, tended to go from being about one percentage point above five-year fixed, and now they're more like half a percentage point above five-year fixed. And the thing about floating rates is that you can pay that money down whenever you want to. So if you've got savings, this chap Mike was saying that they'd saved 20K over the past three years. if if he had some of his mortgage as floating, he could have been paying that off the mortgage in the meantime. So I think it's not a bad time now to have possibly, you know, a third of your money floating, a third short term and a third long term, and and paying down that floating rate, which you can pay down with no penalties, you know, making extra payments off it, um, as as and when you've got spare money to do that, it's. In other words, I'm not being very helpful to people. I know your producer really wanted me to answer this question because she wanted me to say you should do A or B. Yeah. And I'm saying, sorry, Mary, you've got to do half and half, as I've always said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hey, um, you've got an event coming up, Mary. Yes, I have. Yes, it's, it's just a, a Zoom webinar that's, uh, that's going to be uh, tomorrow morning at 930 and if people want to be involved in that, they can register on the homepage of my website, which is maryholm.com. And if, if you register, then you can watch it and submit questions to it. It's the same topics as what, what to do in the current environment, um, run by a Tauranga magazine called Focus. 
and so but there's a limited number of registrations there. So if people want to, if they look at the front front page, bottom bottom of my home page, you can register there, and then possibly you can watch it and possibly get in and ask some questions. Love to chat with you. Have a good break. You too. You, okay. All the best, Jesse. <laughs> Thanks, Mary Holm, our personal finance expert.